I'm Rev David. Thanks for joining me as I wander through life. We're listening to two Bible readings today. First of all, from Genesis chapter 32, and Jacob is on his way to meet Esau, his brother, who he fell out with 20 years earlier. So Jacob's very nervous. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And it gets to the night before the meeting, and this strange event happens. And then we'll listen to the last part of chapter 6 of John's Gospel. So this chapter starts with Jesus feeding 5,000 and then walking on water. And then there's lots of teaching by Jesus, some of which is very difficult. And as we hear today, the teaching ends when some of the disciples have had enough and stop following Jesus. So Genesis 32. That same night, Jacob got up, took his two wives his two concubines and his eleven children, and crossed the Jabbok River. After he had sent them across, he also sent across all that he owned, but he stayed behind, alone. Then a man came and wrestled with him until just before daybreak. When the man saw that he was not winning the struggle, he hit Jacob on the hip, and and it was thrown out of joint. The man said, let me go, daylight is coming. I won't unless you bless me, Jacob answered. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he answered. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob. You have struggled with God and with men and you have won. So your name will be Israel. Jacob said, now tell me your name. But he answered, Why do you want to know my name? Then he blessed Jacob. Jacob said, I have seen God face to face, and I am still alive. And now from chapter 6 of John's Gospel, starting at verse 56. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood live in me, and I live in them. The living Father sent me, and because of him I live also. In the same way, whoever eats me will live because of me. This then is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the bread that your ancestors ate, but then later died. Those who eat this bread will live forever. Jesus said this as he taught in the synagogue at Capernaum. Many of his followers heard this and said, This teaching is too hard. Who can listen to it? Without being told, Jesus knew that they were grumbling about this. So he said to them, Does this make you want to give up? Suppose then that you should see the Son of Man go back up to the place where he was before. What gives life is God's Spirit. Human power is of no use at all. The words I have spoken to you bring God's life-giving spirit. Yet some of you do not believe. And he added, This is the very reason I told you that no people can come to me unless the Father makes it possible for them to do so. Because of this, 
many of Jesus' followers turned back and would not go with him any more. So he asked the twelve disciples, And you, would you also like to leave? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And now we believe and know that you are the Holy One who has come from God. I'm sure we've all met over the course of our lives people who, when talk turns to God or faith or religion, they say, I'd like to believe, but I can't. It just doesn't make sense. Maybe at one time or another, we've been in the same boat too. There's a real tension between head and heart, a battle within. In today's Old Testament reading from Genesis, that battle within becomes physical, as Jacob literally wrestles with God. Jacob is on his own, his family have gone ahead. A stranger wrestles him all through the night, and that stranger turns out to be God, who blesses him but won't give his name. So there's no final revelation. God never gives everything away. Because the sacred is too big for the human. We only have glimpses of God, never completeness. Jacob's name is changed to Israel, which means one who struggles with God. And then throughout the Bible, Israel is read as the people of God. But really, we should call it the people of God who struggle with God. And then they move on to the John reading. And we've got an example of this. John is writing in his usual impenetrable, hard to understand style. The whole of chapter 6, and we've just heard the last few verses, is about food, about bread, and about Jesus and who he really is. It starts with Jesus feeding 5,000 and more. And then he says that he is the bread of life. And it ends here with people leaving him. And if you try to make sense of it or be logical about it, then I can assure you that your head will simply explode. So instead, let's look at what the disciples do. They complain and grumble. They refuse to believe Jesus, even though he's done this enormous miracle first. They turn their backs and no longer follow. They give up on him. Ultimately, they betray Jesus. But in the midst of that, one or two, Peter included, decide to stick it out. Jesus is uncompromising. It's a tough message. Imagine believing one thing all your life and then being told to believe something else. I'm the Messiah, but I'm not rich and I'm not powerful. Make love, not war. I'm going to die, but don't worry about it. It's a completely different world view, but there is credibility to it. Let me try to make this real for you with an example. Every minute of every day, people are 
dying of starvation in the world. And there's actually enough food to go round. So you must all eat just half of what you eat now. And then give the money that you've saved to the starving. And you must tell everyone else to do the same. And you can't come back here next Sunday or ever again unless you believe it and change your lifestyle to reflect it. Now if I stuck to that line, then you would complain and grumble and leave and turn your back on me and probably grasp me up to the superintendent so betray me. And yet I'm offering a credible world view. It's just that it will have consequences for you. And that's exactly what Jesus did then and does now. As Christians, we follow Jesus. And in doing so, we don't always get what we expect. And in doing so, we do what the disciples did with Jesus and Jacob did with God. We wrestle and struggle and have to work things through. Just think about some of the things that we do and believe. We read the Bible and draw from it a code for living. We have communion and say that in some miraculous way Jesus is present. We are part of a loving, caring community for us who are in it and for people beyond. We say that God became a man and died and came back to life. Most of us go through life as rational, thinking human beings. We come to religion, especially to the Christian faith, and that works to some extent, but not completely. But if we suspend logic, does that make us fools? Or does that make us open-minded and enlightened, prepared to believe in things beyond our knowledge and experience? Let me finish with a couple of lines from the end of the John passage, spoken by Peter. Lord, to whom would we go? We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And I'll add to that, and even though we struggle and wrestle, that's why we follow. That's it for now. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.